Hey everyone, welcome to the Star Wars Lads and or episode one to three review. Liam's not here today, unfortunately. Um, he wasn't able to find a spot where he could send me his video or come on and join me for this recording. But rest assured, I'll do my very best to give you the full Star Wars Lads experience when it comes to reviewing all the Disney Plus shows and hopefully in the future movies once they come out. But yeah, I, this is the latest Star Wars show that we've gotten, and it's the first since Bad Batch Season 1 premiere, I believe, to have three episodes come out. And when I first heard of the delay, I was very upset. I wanted This was supposed to come out end of August, now we're approaching the end of September. But I understand why not, because these first three episodes, before I even get into how I felt about them, they play as a movie like an origin movie for Cassian Andor within the Andor TV show which in of itself is a prequel origin to the version of the character that we see just before he makes his heroic sacrifices just before he becomes a man who's willing to sacrifice everything for the galaxy in Rogue One and I don't know I, I can see why the delay happened now because these three episodes if there weren't, you know, the ending shots of each one, they could have flowed perfectly into a movie. It, it was engrossing. It really was. And I think before I want to even dive into each episode, I do want to make a note of saying that the hype for Andor was fairly minimal till Celebration, till we started hearing the Nicholas Patel music, which sounded very interesting and unique. Um, started seeing a little bit more of the images, the posters, eventually the trailers. So if you've been hearing about Andor but haven't necessarily seen it shoved in your face to the same extent that we get with Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or especially Obi-Wan Kenobi, that doesn't necessarily mean that this is like a smaller, cheaper show. This is the show that feels like Star Wars taking its next step, its next venture, its next expansion and even if this isn't necessarily what mainstream stars will be looking like in the future, the fact that the show can provide the foundation for other shows to be like this, for other movies to be like this, is amazing. Like, And that that's how good these first three episodes were for me. And movie or not, just, well, yeah, just so many cool things. Um, so yeah, let's, let's just dive right into the episode breakdown. Um, there's no titles for these but they're not called parts like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show was. Um, interesting choice. And the de descriptions don't really tell you much, but yeah, let's get into the first episode. Starts off with a very, very Blade Runner-esque vibe. And I don't mean just like, oh, aesthetically. I mean, the music, the synths are, they're sending me. They're, there's something about them. Like anytime that cue comes up throughout those three episodes, I'm just like transported away to the very first scene, which is obviously a huge plot thread connecting all three of them and progressing all the way towards the end of those episodes. And it's still not entirely resolved, obviously. Um, it is our beginning action. It is this explosion, the big bang of everything that the series is going to be. But we've got this rain-drenched world of Marlana 1. We got Andor just walking through the rain. You know, we've got like, it looks like a red light district of sorts. And again, like I said, the synths are going off. I mean, he goes into like, 
an establishment that if you're a kid, you won't understand, but if you're older, you'll feel it. You'll understand it's it's like a brothel. It's, it's, a, it's a mixture with that in a bar. It looks fancy, but it's escorts and services. Sure. But the aesthetic that it's pulling from, that's pure Blade Runner. And yeah, it, it was such a weird thing to experience in Star Wars, but then it worked. Like there were still the Star Wars aesthetics built in. The synths were never truly just synths. We still had some orchestral backing music blending in and whatnot. So that was all very cool. Um, the, I mean, the big thing I think you have to take away from this first episode, especially with that beginning scenes, is that it's a lot more dramatic. It's not necessarily action heavy of a series. And yeah, we do get the action of, if again, if you're watching this, it's a spoiler of Andor killing the two corpset guys, one by accident, the other because, you know, he's not even supposed to be here. He's revealed information about himself that he shouldn't have told anybody, which is revealed later on by episode two and three. But it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's engrossing, just aesthetics past, just past the aesthetics, just to see this man already be this ruthless killer and it's a little bit more of a desperation thing instead of like a career move at this point for him. But I think what does differentiate this version versus what we see in Rogue One in this world is that he's searching for his sister. And that's a pretty interesting thing about him that we didn't really know about. We've known that he's fought his whole life against the Empire, first against the Republic because his parents were sided with the separatists or at least that's how it's been explained as but but here in the show it, it i don't i don't know it was just i didn't expect him to go for something so emotional so instinctive like i'm searching out and risking my entire life to find out about this person and the only way i can find out about this person who means so much to me is by revealing exactly who i am and I don't know. It, it's it, it's a pretty interesting and a much younger feeling Cassian already just by going for something much more family based. Um, Andor is very much like a loner. I know he's got K two in Rogue One, but he feels deliberately isolated. And here it's like he's pulling away from his family throughout the sh first three episodes. But if he had a choice, he would be with them no matter what. But anyways, I'm I'm getting carried away. That that all that stuff was very cool, very interesting. The fight scene, it's gritty. Like it, it really is the best way I can describe that as. Like there isn't anything significantly like jumpy or crazy like we saw in Obi Wan Kenobi. It's this guy scrapping around in the rain. One guy just dies from casting, just headbutting him, and yeah, I don't know. It was it's very low stakes. And has a little bit of the Jason Bourne camera movements, much cleaner than just pure shaky cam. But it, I don't know, it, it was just so strange seeing a corridor hallway fight because Cassian kept on looking at these guys while he's in a brothel. And there's no like big galactic stakes. It was just angry drunk dudes who came up to him, who tried to mess around with him on the name of authority, being the local enforcement the cops of this moon planet system or whatever 
and then <laughs> Andor just goes crazy on accident, and then he has to finish the job, and it was just it was such a shocky start. Yeah, it, it was it was all very cool, and I am focusing a lot on this beginning because the threads of that just carry on throughout the rest of the episodes, and the rest of the first episode is really just an exploration of Ferrix, you know, setting up this world, some of the people that Cassian knows, Cassian creating steps for his story of where he was. Um, you know, there, there's some cool things. I, I don't think after that initial beginning that anything else is anywhere near as gripping, but it's because we take so much time figuring out what Ferrix is like, all the alleyways, all the people, yeah, you become absorbed into this world, which, by the way, Ferrix looks so cool. It is very working class, feels like coal miner and industrial and scrapyard all mixed in with the poorest of the poorest, a very slum-like world. But because we get to interact with these characters and we spend so much time, it feels much more lived in than we ever got with the Tatooine in Book of Boba Fett, in the movies, in Obi-Wan Kenobi. I dare say, I don't think there's ever really a planet in the Mandalorian that is already this engrossing. And this was just from the first episode. So I really appreciated that. But, but I think if you're looking for a reason to continue past that initial shock and maybe the environment alone isn't working for you, try to connect to like the storylines that are starting to happen. Like the people affected by Andor already have their storyline. There's the characters of Bix who... Seems like an on and off again lover that have, that are currently separated from Cassian. I really loved her performance. Um, I, I need to check her name real quick, but uh, Adria Arjona, Arjona. I hope I'm saying that right. Already very compelling of a character in her own right. She's playing the same sort of game as Cassian, but not necessarily with the same stakes. Just more of like trying to get all these equipments and deals when, whenever ships come around and selling it on the black market. And it's an interesting angle to show that these two characters, while they're divorced in public from their personal relationship, are still attached at the hip for all the consequences. There's the other person at the shop, Tim, who appears, appears to be in a relationship with uh, Bix at this point in time. But they're also very suspicious of what Bix is doing and his her relationship with Cassian. Pretty interesting dynamic that was formed there. The, the star of this of the supporting cast so far is B2 Yemo. I was not expecting him to talk. He has an interesting voice, a little bit of a stutter. It's like power bank drainage and being old, I guess, but it does add a little bit of personality. I love how the internal mechanism of him moves around. And he goes up and down, a little bit left and right. Um, a lot more mobile than expected. We see like Corellian hounds. We see a lot of aliens here too, even if they're not up front and center. Look very cool there. Yeah, I mean, episode one basically ends with Andor desperate, and we get a lot of the Ferric stuff there. But the third big storyline is the Corpos and the Sergeant or. I don't know, like the sergeant, lieutenant, whatever his position is. We don't really know his name or whatnot, but we see him introduced. He gives his report about the two corpos that Andor has killed that, and no one has really identified him at that point. 
And his supervisor is like, I'm going to a meeting. Just write up some report, make it look good, move a couple bodies around. We're great. Not nothing too amazing, but you know, just make it fine. And it's it's nice because I love the corpos are some of the oldest pieces of Star Wars media, um, Star Wars creations, and I like how they've been brought back into canon, especially as this like second tier local militia, but organized with some imperial funding. It was like that in Legends, but having them visualized here, we saw them in Shadows of the Sith and all that. It's all it's all very cool, and I'm I'm I don't know if I truly love the costumes. It feels a little too biker, leathery, um, a little less utilitarian. And to its credit, the show also has this lieutenant character making himself look the part, even though he's ultimately a scared, fearful man who's unable to actually lead these people that he's in charge of he can only intimidate others but kiss up to the other people at the same time i don't really have a strong idea or grasp of who he is i know he's going to be obsessed with cassian especially with the events of episode three but you know he's a goody two-shoes like the kid who at the end of class if the teacher's forgotten about the homework reminds the teacher it's like hey we have homework due and then everyone hates them and we see him kind of like push his power on other people, but then being nervous around superiors and this mission that it becomes so absorbing for him. Not too much else about him in episode one there, but still very great, very cool. Episode two is a lot more Varix driven and we get to see our other big characters, Stellan Skarsgård's Luthen Rail start to come into the story. He is the contact, um, but he's he's not really a player. He's he's more like a bit role at this point. He has a very funny, uh, kind of charming interaction with this like happy old British grandpa on essentially the space train. It's a ferry down to the Ferrix town. Um, on that note, there's a lot of uh, Scottish, Irish, different accents in here. It's, it's very cool to see. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know exactly if they fit, but if we're going to try to play up the corpos as being not exactly imperial, but still trying to strive to that level to some degree, even if they're not always on the same page, having different accents that are historically considered less posh makes sense to me. Um, yeah, we, get, we see a little bit more about the Ferrick stuff, and we see... <laughs> Uh, Cassian intimidated by people that he owes money to, him just going across town, alien designs all look very cool. And we see a little bit more about the Tim and Bix dynamic, where Tim is trying to figure out exactly what Bix has been doing. Once the news comes out that they're looking for Cassian or a male from Cassian's homeworld, then he in a drunken stupor because he misinterprets the relationship and he's upset about what Bix is doing, reports him after that um, that lieutenant sends out the message. Kind of interesting. I I don't know if I really love that. Um, it feels like a weird jealousy angle that feels a little rushed there, but I, I think it works because ultimately his character is shot dead. I think that is the whole point that this drama of this 
like worn down people who are constantly stuck in routine that breaks down their body slowly and slowly and life is never truly going to be amazing for them drink their sorrows away get jealous about little petty things they're all technically in the corpus control and sector too so if the corpus themselves are living horribly this guy tim probably what is salvage shop isn't doing too much better there um i i'd say this episode also slows down a bit because we focus a lot more on cassian's flashback story with him on the planet with his which we got glimpses of in episode one but here we get to see him with the teenagers kind of going for that towards that crash ship he leaves his sister behind and i started to feel the lack of language shown i don't know if it's because i put the subtitles or not but because we don't really know exactly what they're saying um it, it, it makes that the acting a lot more of a focus there more the body language what's going on with these kids and what's going on between cassian or casta as he's doing to his sister and what his sister is trying to convey and i think that it works no denial there i just am curious about why we didn't get any specific words like even if they don't speak galactic basic maybe we hear it like in episode three someone say Psst, cassian so they clearly clearly have some grasp on that language and for an audience to of all ages to be fully absorbed in those flashback scenes i think a couple of lines would have been helpful there in english for us but it, i mean it was building into something interesting but for episode two as engrossed as i am as i've been repeating and rambling about here it is the episode that kind of pulls back on uh the pacing what everything is set up in episode one you almost start to feel like there won't be too much consequence to what cassian did but then you know it corrects itself with episode three and episode three is yeah i mean great i mean a lot of episode two also dealt with the lieutenant finally meeting someone who works on the ground level like a sergeant who has respect for him and like kind of hypes him up too and we see our guy struggle to motivate all these troops that are sent down all these corporate troops that are sent down to ferrix the same way that the sergeant is so again i'm really liking how they're playing up his incompetence and awkwardness in a lot of different parts of his personality and his behavior but once we get to episode three i think we get to see a real glimpse of like the psychoticness that i feel like is brewing with his character um the corpo stuff is all very cool it's it's definitely leaning more on like local cops and militia abusing people kind of stepping in playing a little bit more into like a 70s new york cop who plants evidence cover up for their track sort of kind of characters i mean straight up one guy kills tim um because he sees him uh sees bix sees him and the rest of this team chaining up bix and hitting her against the wall and he's like what are you doing and then shoots them this team had already grabbed bix which is like everyone's running why are you selling her out it's kind of weird but again just to show off a little bit of their brutality and whatnot 
But then we get to see him jumped by Cassian after everything that goes with Luthen. And we get to see this lieutenant just be so scared for his life, obviously, but shell-shocked in realizing that, you know, that he he caused this all of these team members who were supposed to look up to him to die, to be or be severely injured. And now he's got like this trance on wanting to kill Cassian to capture him at the very least. So that definitely moved the progression with his story. His is the most visually dynamic, but it's not necessarily the most plot wise progressed in this three episodes. So I'm glad where they finished off with that. The big thing with this episode is obviously when Cassian meets with Luthen. If you've seen the nine minute preview with Rogue One, it's basically the majority that is that scene there. It's fleshed out a little bit more. I can't say much more about it. It's it is great. It is cool. And a lot of the episode is leading into that is Cassian again <laughs> trying to get money, trying to balance people that he's already double crossed and owes so much money to to get him to that position to get him off the planet. We get to see a little bit more of the Marva dynamic, his adopted mother, and the flashbacks with her rescuing him. I thought that was all very cool. But in in a way, she does also create the separation from him and his sister. And she couldn't have known that. And this kid wasn't speaking basic with her. Interesting. You know, not, some cool things there. The action here is really cool. Once we see the corpos land, I love the ship's design, the carrier that they're on, and then them flying to the planet yeah I, the, the planet ferrix also seems to have like this code that they kind of hit on metal pieces around whenever they're being invaded um by even the corpus who technically have authority over them i thought that was a pretty interesting way to look at it uh i, I don't know I'm, I'm rambling here it would definitely help if leon was here so i could bounce things off here I'm trying to just tell you guys exactly all the things that I liked. I mean, it was all cool. Luthen's ship is very cool already. Um, I don't know. He he feels already like a master manipulator, even if he has good intentions. But I feel like he's going to be everything wrong for Cassian at the end of the day. He's going to make Cassian, who we see in Rogue One at the beginning, just accepting orders to kill people and just to stack up the body count. And... This Cassian, while he's making a lot of dumb mistakes, he's not exactly a killer. He he has to kill, but he doesn't want to kill. And you know, not, not being forced into this life because it is really his only option. A lot of the ending shots cutting back between his first departure and arrival at Ferrix with his new adopted mother, and then Marva in present day, kind of feeling that disconnect is truly about to happen, that he's going off on his own. Yeah, it it is touching because we now know that the last vestiges of like a man who is troubled but still cares deeply about the people around him can't really go back to his life before. So yeah, I mean it's very interesting. I'm not I, I don't I'm not, I don't know really how much they're gonna go back to Ferrix. It feels like they have to because characters like Bix don't seem like just three-episode characters. She feels like she could still be an interesting way, an interesting conflict. And she could be used as like a political token or 
piece by this lieutenant character in the corp sec to bring back Andor, who's and he's definitely going to spend this whole season hunting him down. But what is Luthen got in store for him? You know, we still haven't seen Mon Mothma yet. We still haven't seen anything outside of Ferrix and Malorna one. But either way, engrossing. It's not the Star Wars that we, you know, it, it really isn't. But if you give it a chance and sit with it, the more I think about it, all the rambling that I'm doing here, yeah, this is the Star Wars that I want to have at least as a companion to all the fun Filoni, Favreau stuff that we see in Mando and Rebels and all those shows. That's also wonderful. But if I can still have something like this Andor show, I, I will be very, I won't even care what other Star Wars stuff happens because then I know I can pick and choose depending on my mood, which sort of series or movie that I want to watch. Yeah, I, I, I can't really give a score for these episodes. It's still too early and I don't really want to go into predictions and speculations because in a way this is a kind of a closed loop. Obviously, I'll speculate stuff with Luthen and Andor's beginning missions as a rebel and what it means to be a rebel at this point in time is there a lot of alliance work is mon mothma very tied in yet who knows that stuff i'll say for predictions and speculations with hopefully with liam as well on friday but yeah overall my review i loved it i really truly am, am enamored with what this show is already showing and the potential that it has i hope it does go a little bit more episodic and still has these thorough lines going through but it would be nice to see like what those imperials are doing that we see in the trailer what andor is doing with all those white suited prisoners of sort to show a little bit more of the empire perspective instead of this smaller scale very contained low level story so far um and what it means for him to <laughs> go from a world where he didn't speak any galactic english or basic into this adulthood where he's already messed up in so many ways um and on such a low scrum rat level to then go into being a rebel agent assassin you name it so yeah i'm excited for what the show will jump further into the bigger stuff but the small scale stuff already is so good so compelling give it a chance if it keeps this level of quality up, I think Andor could be the best Star Wars show this year. And I'm not saying that lightly. Thank you guys so much for watching this Andor episode 1-3 to three review. We'll have our predictions and speculation video out on Friday. And we'll be doing reviews and speculation videos Wednesdays and Fridays until the end of the run of Season 1. Yeah, and if you haven't already, make sure to like and comment on this video. And let us know what you thought about this episode or these three episodes. It's, it was very entertaining for me, but maybe you don't feel the same way, or maybe it was even better for you. Let us know down below. Me and Liam will definitely check out your comments and reply to them. Um, make sure to follow us on our socials. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can check out our instant reactions to each episode. I've uploaded one to the YouTube channel, to the TikTok, and the Instagram so far. And if you haven't already, you can also listen to us on audio podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as so many other podcast platforms of your choice. And we'll see you guys next time on Friday for 
episode four of Andor, the predictions and speculation video. Mm-hmm.